It's Thursday, December 13th. It's the Montana Men's Sports Podcast. We talk about Gresh Jensen heading down to Texas with Bob Stipp. We look at North Dakota State's coach heading to the FBS. We look at some Big Sky Awards. We talk playoffs, and we have an awesome interview with Calgary Stampeders linebacker Alex Singleton. It's a great show. Let's go. Welcome back, Montana Men's Sports Podcast Week 16? 16. Full NFL season. 16. We've done a full NFL season. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to play 17 or 18 because uh, we'd get hurt. There's a health issue with us. And so we're glad we made it to 16. Uh, It's been quite the year. And uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up, 2018 up with this episode right here. Does that sound good? Yeah, there's a there's a hodgepodge of interesting issues to talk about, but um, yeah. Other than that, well, I think first we should one, probably hit pause till the championship game. Yeah, we can. And so, first off, uh, we got some interesting news yesterday. I opened up my Twitter and Gresh Jensen committed to the Bobcats. Yep. And much and like last can... week, it wasn't the Bobcats that we were talking about, or what you think we were talking about. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of disappointing. Um, it, it was a tease for the past few months that he was considering Montana State. The picture of him that got out where he was in full pads and uniform. And he looked good uh, which, in that white. And apparently this is what athletes do on their official visits, which I think is super weird. Um, it, it was it just it was too perfect. Uh, and yeah, so he'll go to Texas State where we can keep a, a half eye on him and Bob Stitt next year, but ultimately, I think Gresh Jensen is out of my life. Yeah, and I think it was a surprise. I guess there was a part of me that thought he did maybe want a revenge tour against the Big Sky and against Hauk and the Grizzlies. You think about it, it's only one game a year, and he has two years left, so maybe that wasn't as big of a deal as some of us thought, but I really did think Montana State had a good chance to get him. He knows he can probably come in and win that starting job right away. And so I thought that would have had some, some pull, I guess, to get him to Montana State. And you can see the team that's around him. It's not a bad team. So I thought that might give him a, a little bit of a nudge towards the Cats. And part of me is convinced that even though the Grizz did him dirty and, and brought in Sneed, um, that this was one big, long, like, final troll by Gresh Jensen uh, against the Bobcats, ending in the funniest thing of going to a team called the Bobcats and starting his tweet out with I'm committing to the Bobcats yeah how yeah, much I mean, of a troll it, do you think that was if I, I cannot imagine that it was accidental because um, nobody outside of the Texas State campus knows that they're the Bobcats um, so I think that uh, he's got himself a great sense of humor um, a better <laughs> sense of humor than he does uh, you know ability to playing a quarterback competition but yeah i don't <laughs> yeah. know i think it's weird uh you know I, i'll always root for montana guys even when they leave but um i it's this debate that we have often of like if you're a, a very good football player but not you're not going to be like a star at a great team would you rather play 
at the FCS level for a team like the Bobcats or the Grizz where you will have stadiums sold out every weekend or to a team like Texas State in the FBS level, which is, like, granted, a higher division, but I don't know if the talent is much better and the experience can't be any better. No, and you'd have to think that Texas State is probably not much better than the Grizz or Montana State. And definitely they couldn't be much better than Davis or Eastern Washington or Weaver, right? Absolutely. And, and how, no, have you not, how have you not looked up the Sagarin for this yet? Or did you? Ooh, that's... I think I... I did we do it last may week? Have. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Okay, so, so pretend we didn't do it last week if we did. Uh, so Texas State, where would you guess... They're 120. Ranked. You would be off by 51 points. What? They are one, 171. Oh, no. I went there. <laughs> I was giving them which, way too much credit. Which is one spot ahead of Idaho and five spots behind Northern Arizona. Oh, wow. See, that's even surprising, and we were going to make fun of Texas State anyway, but then yeah. and his decision to go to Texas State, but then when you bring up the Sagarin, which is basically the Bible of college football, right? Yes. Um, wow, that's horrible. It made, it made a decision that I didn't like even worse, but he did it to himself. Well, and, I mean, just Montana State, when they played Incarnate Word, looked like a dominant football team. Incarnate Word is ranked... 177. So Montana State so, could beat Texas State. Easy. I yeah, think so. I think so too. Yeah. We're going to say they could. I, I mean, by the limited amount of evidence we have, they should. Well, here's a. Do you want some information about Texas State? I know we gave out a little bit last week when Bob Stitt went there, but. Yeah, no, I want, I want some more. So this though. is basically just uh, Nate reading Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. Head coach, Jake Spavadol. First season, he obviously brought Bob Stitt in. Offensive coordinator and got uh, Gresh Jensen there. Playing the Sunbelt Conference and are located in San Marcos, Texas. Okay. Not a great spot. I don't like San Marcos. Um, no. They're actually right. So a member of the, uh, like we said, the Sunbelt Conference. They joined the Sunbelt in 2013. Uh, their all-time record is 531 and 462 for a 534 winning percentage. 2-0 bowl record. Yeah. Two Division II championships in 81 and 82. Uh, their rivals are University of Texas, San Antonio, and Nichols. Maroon and gold. Wow. Yeah, maroon and gold, which do not look good together. No. And their mascot, not champ, Boko the Bobcat. <laughs> That's way better than yeah. champ. The one thing, I mean, another similarity, uh, the marching band, uh, Montana States is the pride of the West. Uh, Texas States is the pride of the hill country. Okay. Yeah. So that that's a region. That's the region, region I didn't know existed. Oh yeah, Texas Hill Country, man. All the all the Texas country guys sing about the Hill Country. They'll uh-huh. let you know how awesome it is, but then, you know, I mean, there's some fun parts. Austin is actually is in the Hill Country technically. Okay, I like Austin yeah. just fine. And so this is how boring Texas State is that we got into a conversation about the Hill Country, and we're more excited about Austin being in the Hill Country than Texas State as a program. Yeah, the uh, uh, just the Sun Belt isn't isn't that where Idaho came from before they yeah. were independent? They, yes, um, it's just riddled with like 
these shitty teams that were like good FCS teams and then they move up and whenever like North Dakota State or Montana or name your school gets the itch to move Liberty. up to the Liberty. Oh, they already they did. should yeah, take a look be in this next year. <laughs> they should take a look at the Sun Belt uh, teams because it's Appalachian State, Troy, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, Arkansas State, uh, South Alabama. I mean, it's just it's it it's is. basically another conference of the FCS that they do just to make more money. Yeah, I don't get yeah, it. No, it's and like you and I were talking, terrible. yeah, and like you and I were talking about uh, where would you rather play in. I mean, nobody cares about Texas State football in Texas. You have A&M, you have UT, uh, SEC, and Big 12 football. It's just the Sun Belt is, has, I mean, it's irrelevant. You could have come back to Montana State, had an amazing storyline going against the Grizz two more times in your career, assuming that you're the yep. starting quarterback. Uh, kind of go on a, a tour of the Big Sky again, a, a conference that you did really well in the first time around. And you're going to get the same looks playing at Bobcat Stadium in Bozeman that you're going to get at Bobcat Stadium in Texas. And you have to think this was 100% just blind um, affinity for Bob Stitt. Yeah, and I mean, they clearly had a close relationship. So um, Closer than we probably thought, actually. I mean, just to pull him like that down to San Marcos is... uh, It surprised me. I knew they had a relationship, but I was... I was very surprised when, when he, he got he committed there. It doesn't surprise me though. Like if you look at our friend of the pod Reese Phillips and how glowingly he talks about Bob Stitt, sure. uh, when when we have him on and and you like read and listen to what other players have said about Bob Stitt, like he had, uh, especially on the offensive side, a lot of loyalty. Um, he had the locker room. And yeah, I mean that, that that's even more amplified when you look at uh, quarterbacks. Um, on the well, yeah, Sun they Belt, got to though, throw like ninety times a game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt Championship game was against Louisiana Appalachian State. How many people would you guess were in the crowd? Was it a neutral site? Uh, I think it was at Appalachian State. Oh, so nineteen thousand. 14,000. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. This is a dumb conference. They should, I mean, people have talked about it so many times before, and we should probably do just a whole podcast on this. Power five conferences are FBS. Everybody else, FCS. Playoffs, auto bids. It'd be so fun. Yep. Yeah. And that Appalachian State Stadium, the capacity is thirty thousand. Okay, and so and that, yeah, they yeah. they played in a in a half empty stadium for their conference championship. Well, there's a there's a theme there for the Sun Belt, I think, because I looked up Bobcat Stadium cause I, uh, in Texas, and I wanted to kind of go over a couple of things there. So their uh, capacity there is thirty thousand feet, or thirty thousand seats, and uh-huh. their average attendance uh, in its first season as an FBS member was eighteen thousand nine forty five. So pretty comparable to Montana State, a little less than Grizzlies. And uh, I don't believe, I believe that has probably gone down since then. You know, in your first season, you probably pull more people than when you start just totally. kind of de- dwelling, delving into uh, oblivion and just, you don't need it. You don't, nobody cares anymore. You probably get less people. But anyway, here's an interesting yeah. thing. In 2012, 
They spent $33 million on expanding and closing their north end zone. And that's what brought the capacity to 30000 Okay. Where are they getting this money? $33 million to do this at Texas State. I don't know, man. Like Montana I, State can't raise enough funds right now to close in the end zone uh, or rebuild the West Stands. like, Or to get uh, a Jumbotron that's yeah. bigger than the TV in my living room. Yeah, I saw bigger TVs at Costco than that yeah. Jumbotron. And so it's like, it's where so do these got $33 million to close that in, and their stadium's at 30000 now, but... Uh, yeah, that's Texas State Stadium. Um, their record attendance was 33,133 all the way back in 2016 against um, Houston. So, Gresh, I mean, uh, I, it seems like Gresh may not love the spotlight. Um, and this might be the perfect spot for him. Yeah. Well, because I, I nobody wish we will be watching these games. <laughs> nobody will be watching these games. Uh, most everybody in the Big Sky has now forgotten about you. People probably care yeah. more what you were doing down in Fullerton at the JUCO than they will now that you're at Texas State. And but I mean, in Texas State's defense, I suppose, like we talk about the the Cats and the Grizz and their stadiums, Eastern Washington, Fargo, but there are some really shitty Big Sky oh, uh, yeah. teams and and stadiums. Uh, and even like great teams this year, you know, Weber State is having a tremendous year. They are uh, you know, they made it to the quarterfinals, um, played a Friday night under the lights game, and they could not fill that stadium, which is not big to begin with mm-hmm. at all. There was there was this awesome picture of uh, they in, at Weber. They burned a W in the side of the mountain, like the hill that's next to the stadium, and so there was just this big fire W. It was awesome. It was awesome, like A plus 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 for that activity. But then there was like next to it was just empty stands. Yeah, like ten people got to see it. Our the tweet yeah. that we put out with the W probably got more views and in person views in that stadium. Oh, I would I would bet I would bet any amount of money that that's true. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of jumping to the next level, uh, we got word that North Dakota State's coach Chris Kleiman. Uh, took the K-State job. So he's going to Manhattan. Uh, 105-year-old Bill Snyder uh, finally stepped down <laughs> from the post at Kansas State uh, in Manhattan. So North Dakota State's coach Chris Kleiman jumping up to the FBS level, much like his predecessor Craig Bull did. Uh, do you think that'll be a distraction this weekend for the for the Bison? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that there's no way to avoid it being a distraction, both for the players who were recruited by him, who now are seeing him leaving, um, and also the coach who, you know, it's it's cool that he's staying through the playoffs. Um, I think that's commendable, but like he has to be thinking about next season and thinking about moving his family and thinking about, um, you know, how fast he can get out of Fargo. It's It'll definitely be a distraction. On North Dakota State, is good enough where it may not matter, but um, South Dakota State has given them trouble this year. It was a super close game yes. last time they played. And, you know, if Eastern wins like they should, like they're favored to, they have a very good team waiting in the in the next round. So it seems, to me, it seems like if, if uh, NDSU was going to get beat 
in the past few years, this would be the, the prime, prime time, time to, to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah. so Kleiman goes up. So I just looked it up. He was making right around, he just got a contract extension. Uh, in, actually, it was April of this year. So he just signed a two-year extension. He's obviously just getting rid of that. Uh, $300,000 a year is what his base salary was at North Dakota State. So That made him the richest man in Fargo. Yeah, the, the richest man in the whole state. And so he's jumping up to K-State, Big 12 school, Power 5 conference, $2.3 million salary. <laughs> so he's going... Sh- I mean... I mean Absolutely no brainer. So add that to the list of things he'll be distracted about. Yeah, that's it's like how what to spend are you going to do with your extra two million dollars? And I've been yeah. to, I, I lived in Wichita for a little while, and I went up to Kansas. I actually went up to Kansas for or to Manhattan for uh, a game a couple times just to go hang out. And like, there's not a ton of stuff to spend your money on in Kansas as a whole, and specifically in Manhattan. He's going to have a palace. Oh my! In God. Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Hopefully, he's not. Looking for like great restaurants and a fun nightlife, but actually, in terms of I do have to say they have house. some pretty fun co- uh, country bars. So if he's into that, you know, yeah, yeah, I think that that Coach Kleinman probably has a different, yeah, true. Uh, priority list than twenty three year old hot take Nate. True, true. Uh, so also fun little tidbits about this contract. So he'll get. Uh, so he has some bonuses. Would you? Would you? Would you like to hear these? Yeah. Is one, one of my favorite things is reading contracts or hearing about contracts and all the bonuses. Like one of my favorite things. I do not care about the salary. I just want to know like what random things they're going to be shooting for during the season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 50 K for guiding K state to a third place finish in the big 12, seven fifty seven. I'm sorry. 50,000 for third 75,000 for a second place finish and a hundred thousand extra for a conference chipper. Okay. 50,000 for a six win season that ends in a bowl game. 100,000 for an appearance in a playoff affiliated bowl, 175k for a playoff berth, 250,000 for playing in a national championship game, and 350,000 for winning a chipper, the national title. Wow. 25,000 for being selected Big 12 coach of the year, 50,000 for national coach of the year. 25 Gs for a top 25 finish and 50 Gs for a top 10 finish. Okay, a lot of these seem unattainable. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, K-State's obviously like, we'll pay you the salary and yeah, here's these bonuses that you're never going to get. You know, people, yeah. I mean, back in the day when we were probably in high school, Darren Sproles was at K-State. They played in the Fiesta Bowl. So, yeah, I, I did, mean, K-State hasn't been mired in the muck like Kansas or uh, Texas State has been for long, long time periods. They, they were actually good at one point and it's a, it's a big school. Yeah, I mean... You know, I, who knows if he can turn it around, but he, uh, my favorite contract things are when it's like, if you beat this team, you get a bonus. That would be pretty cool. Um, but like, like, what's he going to do? Like, you, that's free money. If they're like, if you beat Kansas, you get this bonus. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, I don't know who their other rival would be. Probably Texas. I mean, does, does it, does Choate have something in his contract where he gets a bonus for beating the Grizz? I would assume so, but I haven't looked it up. Yeah, I would, I would, I would so, imagine so too. So his deal was I can't I don't know how many years it's for, um, but quite a big deal. Like if you looked at it, he could probably if he won the conference championship and a national title, he's got an extra half mil. He'd probably win national coach of the year, so that's five point or five hundred and fifty thousand. He'd finish top ten, so that's six hundred thousand. 
So along with his $2.3 million salary, if he ever wins a national championship, he's going to be about a million dollars richer than that even. Good for him. Yeah. What do you think this means? Do you think this uh, is trouble long-term for the Bison? It seems like they just reload, though. That's the thing. So Craig Bowl jumped up to Wyoming at the end of the 2013 season, and actually North Dakota State won the chipper that year. Um, I'm assuming that got announced during the playoff run. I don't see how uh, Wyoming waited until after the playoffs to try and get him. Yeah. Uh, So he jumped at 14. He's gone... 28-35 28-35 and in Wyoming. Two bowl games uh, in 16 and 17. They didn't make one this year. Uh, he has a 19-21 and 21 conference record in Wyoming. That would scare me if I was a guy like... I mean, he's going to get... He's getting paid no matter what. It's like printing money for him. But... Yeah. And I get the challenge and you'd regret it if you didn't do it. But jumping that... Jumping from the FCS to FBS, that cannot be easy. And like... I don't know. Well, no, it's... It's worth the risk. I mean, sure. I mean, you're making for the money, two million dollars more than you were. Yeah, but if you look at the, you know, so Craig Bull went to Wyoming. He has a, a four forty four win percentage. Look at his two predecessors. Dave Christensen was there for five seasons, four thirty five win percentage. Montana's Joe Glenn mm-hmm. there for six seasons had a four twenty three win percentage. Like it. It's kind of hard to improve on a, a shitty program. True, and then that's one thing. This guy's going, Kleiman's going to uh, a Power Five conference, Big Twelve, where you're going to get better yeah. players, recruits. The Midwest is full of football players. Yeah. Manhattan's not like the most amazing. Like it's not recruiting someone to Southern California or LA or something like that. But Manhattan's not bad. Uh, you're close to Kansas City, close enough to Kansas City, and all that kind of good stuff. But um, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, a coach jump shit like that. It's one thing. It's it always every time this kind of stuff happens where a coach jumps in the middle of a season, and even if they close out or don't close out the season with the team, how hypocritical the NCAA is when they let a coach jump like this and totally. not have to sit out a year and make two million more dollars, and a kid has to sit out a year if he wants to transfer to another school because he's not getting PT. It's a better offer. It's a better situation. Doesn't get along with the coaches. Homesick. Like how is this even fair? I don't know, and I don't know the answer to the question. No one's ever no one's ever answered it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, what what's the rationale behind it? Is it just to discourage students from transferring? It's like we don't want college sports to become free agency. Well, it's exactly what you're doing with the coaches, and what's like if you don't you don't want coaches jumping ship in the middle year just because you know Notre Dame opens up. There's going to be half the country would give up on their team just to go to Notre Dame. It's like. It's just so hypocritical, but if there's one thing about the NCAA, it's their consistency in being hypocritical, and I guess you have to appreciate that. Absolutely. So from one coach to another one, you were telling me that you uh, saw an article in SI about uh, the legend Dave Dickinson. Uh, Did you want to let our listeners know what you read? Yeah, so uh, there's some logic behind this. Um, The article was basically, here's some coaches that... NFL front offices should consider going into next season and they're like outside of the box um, options. Number because two, the NFL is boring as hell. Super boring re- and like you just recycling keep promoting the same, the same yeah, it's shitty coordinators <laughs> like up and when down. He, and, like when Hugh Jackson gets a job next year. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Mike McCarthy will get a job somewhere and it's just, all right, so what are some interesting uh, coaches? Mike Leach was number one, which is not like 
super sexy, but number two was our boy Dave Dickinson. Um, and, you know, they they were pretty high on him. They, they give a shout-out that he's from Great Falls, so appreciate that. Um, and they said that he's, uh, uh, you know, obviously talked about the CFL, and he said that he's a nice piece of eye candy, um, which I have to agree with. Well, he is a nice piece with that, of eye candy. When he had that cowboy hat on at the end of the game, Oh yeah, yeah. Looks yeah. He looked really handsome. Um, Very. But they describe him as this is how you can tell the level of research that they've done. They describe him as a former Chargers, Seahawks, and Dolphins quarterback. Uh, well, which is true. That's the deep cuts. Which is true. Those are that's the deep cuts right there. Those are, but that's like Wikipedia research because for sure. Um, like he is not known for being a quarterback for any of those teams, despite having no. uh, stops in all three places. So it'd be awesome. Um, and as a Broncos fan, I sure hope that we get rid of our coach at the end of the year. Um, and I'd love to see Dave Dickinson. That's that's what we call a little twofer uh, when we got <laughs> when we got a Grizz a Grizz connection or a Montana connection with our favorite football team, like when Brock Osweiler was backing up Peyton Manning. Those yep. those were the best years of my life. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I haven't had many of those recently. Uh, I guess Brock Croyle, when he was on the Seahawks, would be one. Yeah. Who's the tight end? That's a Montana kid. That's Oh, shit. Yeah, Will Disley. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, Will Disley, uh, tight end for, I forgot, he, was he got awesome. injured in the, the fourth game. Yeah, he's going to be awesome, too. Uh, but he got injured there. But yeah, this Dickinson thing's interesting. Uh, so uh, like I said in the intro, uh, we got another chance to interview, uh, have an awesome interview with Alex Singleton. And he did touch on the Dave Dickinson uh, to the NFL kind of thoughts. Because you win a couple CFL uh, Grey Cups and just you're a champion at every single level like Dickinson is. You're obviously going to get looks or your name is going to be out there. Yeah, uh, it, it remains to be seen if he goes. You know, Alex talks about that a little bit. But... Uh, you know his name's out there, and if the NFL finally decides to be a little bit imaginative on who they hire, uh, it'd be pretty cool to see Dave uh, in the NFL. Yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know, but it's one of those things where is it better to be a, a big fish in a small pond or... Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if he got a head coaching job in the NFL, like that's a, a no-brainer, but like, would he leave Calgary to go... Uh, be a coordinator somewhere in the NFL um, where he's kind of running his own little kingdom up in Calgary. Um, yeah, true. That, that'd yeah. be tough to give up. Definitely. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, listen, uh, the interview coming up, you'll you'll like to hear Alex's thoughts on that. He absolutely loves the guy, uh, but you can kind of listen to him in, in his own words. So uh, speaking of coaches, uh, the Big Sky Conference, uh, Dan Hawkins of UC Davis was just named the Stats FCS Coach of the Year. I don't think that's any surprise to you or me because we are experts on uh, Big Sky coaches. Yep. And uh, pretty cool. So he kind of did the backwards thing of what Kleiman did. He went FBS, came back down to FCS, and really in his first year, I mean, took a basement team all the way to a Big Sky Conference chipper. So pretty cool that Dan Hawkins got that coach of the year nationally uh, for his job at Davis. Yeah, and I mean, he's always been in a weird... UC Davis has always been like this weird position where it should be a better football school. Like they have it's huge. Yeah. They have tens of thousands of students. It's the most students from any big sky school. Um, Easily. And they're recruiting in California. It's, it's a beautiful location. Um, 
the school has a ton of money. Like they have nice facilities despite being a shitty program. And so it always seemed like if one team could, if one bottom Big Sky team could turn it around systematically, UC Davis. And not just like a one-year thing. Right, like Portland State, yeah. you know, or Portland Southern State, Utah, Southern yeah. Utah. Like these schools will catch fire every once in a while. Idaho State this year. Um, UC Davis, like they should be a very, yeah, they should be right. a good team in the Big Sky. It's it's not that, it shouldn't be that hard for them to no. be good. So, and I was, yeah, I mean, I think when Stitt got hired at Montana, I believe Hawkins was also one of the coaches yep. vying for that job. That's correct. And that would be, I mean, it's obviously hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's that's what we do is second guess people's decisions when they turn out to be somewhat hilariously funny, like the Stitt hire, and <laughs> <laughs> or end hilariously, I guess you could say. So the Dan Hawkins in Missoula, that that might have been something. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's like. When someone loses a hundred pounds, it's like, well, like you're pretty fat to begin with. Like you, a normal sized person, you can't lose 150 pounds. It's kind of the same with a with a football program. I don't think we like can this. say that. That's we can't shame on this program. No, I'm not shaming anybody. But it's like <laughs> if I lost 150 pounds, I'd weigh 30 pounds. Um, but like if you're 180, it's, it's easy. Oh yeah, I'm fit, wow. man. It's felt. Um, it's easier to take a shitty program with like, which has everything that we've already talked about and just like, be like, all right, well, I'm a good, I'm, I have the skills to build this up. That's easy to like go from the bottom of the barrel to, uh, you know, kind of the top 15 as opposed to going into Montana, which it's a great school. Um, I love it to death, but like it does have some limitations in terms of recruitment. Um, And it has uh, uh, some heightened expectations. So I don't know True, if he, he would had have like this. literally no pressure on him when he came into this season. Yeah, it was right. like, just I, beat Sac State, please. I, yeah, and like even that, like no one on campus would care. Like no one goes to their games anyways. But now if he gets, gets some wins, gets some momentum, like he could easily, you could easily foresee him building this into a yeah, very, I agree very, with you. very good school. Yeah, so we move on from Dan Hawkins, Coach of the Year. Always cool when Big Sky players get these and coaches get this recognition. The Big Sky class of the playoffs right now, obviously, uh, and probably class of the 2018 season with just the teams that they put out there. But totally. uh, Yeah, and then so also a really cool national honor. Weber State's running back Josh Davis won National Freshman of the Year Award, the Jerry Rice Award, which, I mean, if you're winning any award called the Jerry Rice Award, you probably were pretty fucking good. Pretty good, yep. <laughs> and so to, for him to win the Jerry Rice Award, really cool. Uh, he got freshman of the year in the Big Sky Conference, too. But uh, when you get that nationally and it's like really legit like that, that's a pretty cool award for a, for a freshman in the Big Sky Conference. And Weber, I mean, they're reloading, too. They're going to be good for years to come. And Josh Davis gets that award. Yeah, he uh, the Big Sky does pretty well in this category. Um, you know, uh, Case Cookus won this award in 2015. It seems like Case Cookus has been around forever, and it's because he has. Um, he could redshirt this year, huh? He, Yeah, I, he could graduate this year, but I don't know if he... No, redshirt. I don't think he's redshirted, has he? No. No, but I don't know if he is redshirting. Like, uh, there's, 
like we've said, we didn't play four games though. There's he has he's eligible to redshirt. Um, okay, yeah, but that's better. The information is so spotty. Like who the hell knows? Um, he may not have an arm anymore. Right. And like, uh, he literally could have just not have an arm, and we wouldn't know. Yeah. And uh, 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 Cooper Cup won this award back in 2013, so he's in pretty good. Very good company. Yeah, pretty good company there. Definitely. And so then also another national recognition from the big sky uh, from Montana, Dante Olson. Yeah. First team All-American linebacker. Pretty cool there. He's also a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award, uh, which has a ton of big sky history, especially recently. Uh, guys like Brad Daly, Holmes, Schreibice. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, I mean, basically a Big Sky Award. Yeah, super cool. For the best defensive um, player in the country. So he was a finalist, I think a top three finalist for that Buck Buchanan yeah. Award that's going to be announced at the championship game. Yep. So very so, well deserved. I mean, he was... Yeah. The, the numbers... Dominant. Of like... Like the single game tackle numbers he was putting up were just comical. He had 24 tackles in one game. Yeah. No, he's... It's so funny, though, to still see people on uh, Twitter... Like, the Big Sky Conference is so stupid because he didn't even win Big Sky Player of the Year or Defensive Player of the Year. And it's like, you guys, it's not like it was voted on by the media or the players or anything. It was like a bartering right. <laughs> conference call. Like, it has no bearing on anything. Yeah, but Trey it Anderson is. got first team Big Sky quarterback. Like, let's stop putting so much stock in the Big Sky Awards. Yeah. Just focus on him being an awesome player and first team All-American nationally. Yeah. Yeah, those Big Sky Awards. Maybe we should just take over the awards next year. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so, so pretty cool there. Yeah. Hats off to him. It's, it's awesome. Good for Dante. Good for Dante. So we have an awesome interview coming up here with Calgary... Stan Peters, linebacker, Grey Cup champion, two-time All-Star in the Canadian Football League, Alex Singleton, former Montana State Bobcat. But before we do that, we want to tell you about the Hotel Finland. Hey. So this episode, what? Yeah. Hey, when when what? Alex Singleton, yeah. Alex Singleton's in in Butte. Do you know where he stays? He told me, and this was I'm not supposed to do this because I am, uh, you know, I have my ethics. But he told me off the record, it's the Hotel Finland. Oh, breaking, breaking that confidentiality. <laughs> I had to do Finland. it for the Finland. Yeah, yeah. So the Finland's located in Uptown Butte, the second largest historic district in the United States. Offers affordable, luxury, and relaxed options at the same price or cheaper as the boring hotel chains that you'll find along the interstate. It's locally owned and operated. It's an awesome Montana company. You have to book your room at Finland.com. F-I-N-L-E-N.com. They still got uh, tickets for their New Year's Eve party. Um, you can uh, check it out on Instagram, but it's going to be an awesome party at the Cavalier Lounge. You can stay at the Finland, uh, celebrating uh, 95 years of the hotel being open. Uh, yeah, but why aren't you staying there? It's great location. You're not out by the interstate. You can. I thought you were asking me. I was like, I do stay there. Yeah, no, you and I stay there. You and I know yeah. what's going on. Um, but. Go out, get a bite to eat, then head to the Cavalier Lounge, get a nice beer out of the Smooth Operator. Smooth Operator is the only contraption of its kind in the United States where they infuse fresh juices and fruits in, right into your beer. gets it to the, the perfect crisp temperature. Uh, it's an absolute no-brainer. Hotel Finland is a type of brand that we should all be supporting, a type of company we should be supporting. There are Montanans that own it, that operate it. They are trying to bring... Uh, something cool to downtown or uptown Butte. 
Um, and they support the Montana Mint. So we love them for that. They help us keep the lights on. They help us get these podcasts out every week. We love doing this, but it isn't free. Um, it costs money and companies like the Hotel Finland are letting us do that. So the next time you're in Butte and looking to book your room, you should go to finlen.com, finland.com and book it there. Awesome. All right. Well, here's our awesome interview with Calgary Stampeders, Grey Cup champion, two-time All-Star, Alex Singleton. Awesome, awesome. All right. We're here with the 106th Grey Cup champion, linebacker Alex Singleton of the Calgary Stampeders. Alex, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate the uh, Great Cup shout out. Oh yeah, well we're—I'm uh, sure you've seen we're the number one uh, Calgary Stamps pod in uh, America, self-proclaimed. I did, yeah, I did see that. You know, I'm—I'm I'm all for it. So but now, I mean, now you can be a Great Cup podcast, not even just Calgary Stampeders, just a full. A full-on Grey Cup CFL podcast. It's perfect. Yeah, we were excited to get um, our first Grey Cup win under our belt as well um, as a podcast. So we do thank you for giving us uh, the ability to be a Grey Cup podcast. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, being one and zero, it's pretty special. You know, not a lot of not a lot of people can say that. That's true, and so we're pretty proud of our podcast. But thank you for for getting us the, um, to be able to be able to say that. And then also, congratulations on your second straight CFL All Star nomination. Uh, so part of the all-star team once again. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of, I mean, obviously the guys around me help a lot, but it's, it's fun to get those little, you know, those, those accolades that, you know, kind of just show your work over the years. And definitely. it's just, it definitely cool to have, we don't have to, it. you don't have to say that you appreciate the guys around you anymore. Cause you won the team thing. So you, you can actually take <laughs> this all to yourself this time and actually like say like, hell yeah, I did this. And <laughs> so just totally. Just, yeah, just forget the team. You know, we won the team award. And yeah. A week later, I got the all-star. So, so this year you no, can act. Yeah, this year you can actually. Either way. Yeah, this year you can appreciate the um, the all-star, the individual award as well, because you also did the team thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. So congratulations on that personal <laughs> hey, award there. Thank you. <laughs> so going to that Grey Cup, um, awesome to watch, fun game. Uh, so those seconds are ticking down. Um you make a. I think you probably made one of the last tackles over on the sideline, and you look up and the clock hits triple zeros. What's that initial feeling? I mean, it's it's like surreal. You know, we had lost the last two, and you just watch the other team kind of go through the motions. And you know, I think we had an interception. It was like a minute twenty left, and it kind of hit me there harder than it did when the clock hit zero. And I was like, hey, we still got. I still got to go. Like, don't don't take this for granted yet. Like, you know, we've lost before in the last few minutes, so. But it it's surreal. Like you know, I'm still kind of still kind of in awe that it, it happened, and you know, it's to think now for the rest of my life, you know, I'll be a Grey Cup champ and yeah. get to go back to Calgary for the rest of my life and celebrate, you know, something that's only been eight times, eight done eight times in Calgary, and just it, it's surreal and it's going to be a, a pretty cool life, I guess, being a champ. No, that that's that's awesome. And then it's kind of interesting going into. Would you say that? I mean. This year, going into the into the Grey Cup and into the playoffs, you kind of your team kind of went on a little bit of a slump at the end of the regular season. Whereas the last couple of years, it seemed like you hit the hit the playoffs on a more of a, a hot streak. Was that kind of different this time going in? And did that help? Do you think having kind of a little tougher end of the regular season this year to get into the playoffs and kind of galvanize the guys and got you going? Uh, you know, it, as much as you wanna 
you know, look at it one way or the other. It was just nice that no matter kind of what was going to happen, we knew what we had to do once we were in the playoffs. All we had to do was win two games. And, you know, the last two years, we'd always won the first one. We just lost that second one. So to no matter how we got there, we didn't care how we got there. As long as we won the West and got the bye and hosted the first round of, you know, hosted the West final at home, we knew we would take care of business. Just the team, the guys we were with, it was our third time doing it, and we weren't going to let however we got there, whatever you know the media says and everybody, like we didn't care. We were yeah. going to go out there and we were going to win the freaking game. Yeah, and uh, so going into that, and you, you've talked about it many times. Everybody talks about it when you're watching the the telecast of the Great Cup and everything. Was yeah, the last two years dropping those two Great Cups, but when you went into this one being the third year in a row, knowing that you had to win this game, you were going to win this game. Did that change your prep at all in compared to years past? Was it more intense or? Did that experience help, I guess, is, is kind of the question. Uh, you know, the last three years, including this year, you know, we've had the best team in the regular season. And it wasn't even close, in my opinion. You know, we were ready every week. If, you know, if we were playing at our best, we were going to win. And it didn't matter who we were playing. So it was kind of just that same thing. You know, we had lost two Grey Cups, but we had won, you know, three Western finals in a row where, you know, we believed we were beating you know teams that weren't as good as us and in great cups we were losing to teams that weren't but it wasn't like we lost the whole game it wasn't like we prepared wrong you know just like every game it was one or two plays that were kind of they weren't just you know we didn't get beat you know it was fumbles or interceptions Mm -hmm. or you just miscues that you know whether or not you practiced harder or focused more weren't ever going to change those things so it's kind of just coming out and knowing knowing the experience that one or two plays has beaten us in the last game because as good as you are for 18 weeks all it is is one game you know it's not a series it's nothing else so if we just could show up for 60 full minutes and not have that one play go against us make sure that one play goes for us we knew we were going to win and you know it's kind of what we did we focused like that and we played to win one game we didn't play to win a great cup you won the Grey Cup when it was over. Yeah. But all you had to do was win one game, and that's what we did. Yeah, and so after that was over, the celebration looked like it was amazing. <laughs> like, the actual, the joy you saw on everybody, on, on all the Stamps players' you know, faces, and just the when they were given the post-game interviews, the emotion, uh, was pretty cool to see. And maybe sometimes you don't see it a ton after a Super Bowl, I guess it just the the reaction seemed a ton, a lot more organic and just real. Um, so when that celebration, uh, the one really cool part you and I can talk about was you got to uh, share that with your sister Ashley. Uh, you know, how did that feel to be you know have your family there? And then you know you've said it before, your sister's the biggest CFL fan in America. Um, you know, how was that to be able to share that with your family and especially your sister? Yeah, you know, it was cool, you know, having them there and they've been, you know, they come to my, they come to almost every home game and just to be able to experience the game with them is awesome. But, you know, they've been to the last two great cups just like I have, you know, they came out, you know, you don't see the, you know, the visiting fans go down to their team and, you know, give them the, that hug of, you know, we're still proud of you, you know, but, you know, the last, you know, the last two years, my family was there, we were in the tunnels of Toronto and Ottawa, you know, doing that same thing, but just saying like, we're going to win eventually, you know, we're going to be there. And it's kind of one of those hopes that next year, you know, your team is still that good and you still yeah. get back to it. But so to be able to kind of, you know, have that finally just we did it and just get that and to have my family there and, to you know, you know, to have TSN follow us around and, you know, do all that stuff. It's so cool to be able to share that and share that with them and, you know, to make sure that not just me and my teammates, but, you know, our families that are the reason, you know, we're all there, the people that supported us, you know, not just for our 
pro career, but our entire career since I was seven. So to be able to share that with them, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, that's awesome. And so how did, so you transitioned from your family and then you found a horse to ride off the field on. So where did the yeah. horse, where did the, where did the horse idea come from? So uh, the horse, the horse is quick six and uh, the girl that rides quick six, her name's Chelsea and she, uh, you know, her family, they've been riding quick six for generations for Stampeders. So they, you know, they ride up and down the sideline when you win. And so, you know, this last year I was like, Hey, when we win the Grey cup, I'm riding the horse <laughs> and it happened. And, That's you know, awesome. I think if, if the field wouldn't have been as bad as it was, she would have let me take her over up around the field. But I mean, it was a horrible field. So she kind of had to walk him cause it was really icy and not probably not very safe for him to be out there, but it was, <laughs> That's it awesome. was still an experience and it was, it was awesome to ride the horse up to the stage. To I mean, say I, the least. I would think that that has to be like a picture. If you get from somebody that's like a canvas you're putting up on your wall on like a eight foot by 10 foot canvas of you getting oh, yeah, that quick it's, yeah, off yeah. the field. Yeah, that's going to happen for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, you're talking about that field condition a little bit. So when you were watching the game, you could tell that the footing was not good uh, at all. Was it So that was just the ice and from the temperature, or the elements, or was that just a horrible field? It was. It's a horrible field. They didn't take care of it. I think the CFL did a poor job, but they can worry about that in the future. And it just, it just wasn't good playing conditions. Obviously, you could tell people were slipping and sliding. My thing is the biggest game of the year should have the best footing of the year, and it didn't, but whatever at this point we yeah both teams are playing on the same one won. and you guys got the win so yeah exactly so it's you know who cares anymore we won so yeah i'm sure they'll always say it was a good footing but we're like you said the 106 great cup champs so i could care less what yeah. it was the footing doesn't matter anymore um so keeping it with that celebration so dickinson um they've got to uh I think it was the coolest thing. I wish more coaches would do this. He just throws on a cowboy hat to go out there for the handshake uh, at midfield uh, after the game. Um, how baller of a move is that to just throw on a cowboy hat and go shake the other coach's hand when you win the Grey Cup? Oh, yeah. You know, he, I mean, you know, Dave, you know, I said the other day when he got, you know, entered into the College Football Hall of Fame, you know, he's been winning championships since high school. Everywhere. You know, <laughs> when he was at, you know, I think he went to CMR. Yep. He was winning great, or not great cups, but he was winning. He won state championships at CMR. He went to Montana and won national championships. You know, he was a quarterback of a bunch of great cup teams. And now he's coached a few great cup teams. Now as a head coach, he's won a great cup. And I mean, so you're, I mean, this man has been winning championships since like 1990. Like that's, you know, like 28 years of just being dominant at a sport and to just you know, watch him walk out like that was awesome. And yeah. he deserves every part of that because for the next 10 years, I bet he wins three or four more and it's going to be super exciting to watch him keep doing it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Do you think Do you think that he could be a coach that would be able to transition to the NFL or do you see him being a, a CFL coach uh, into the future? Um, I'm sure, you know, I think, you know, his family's there. His kids are, you know, at that age of, you know, middle school where they're, you know, comfortable with their friends and stuff. So I think he'll be there for a while, but I think if he ever wanted to, he easily could transition and will be a winning coach at any level. That's awesome. So, so after the gray cup, you get done, you get to celebrate with your family, your teammates on the field, and then you're heading back to Calgary. So how many straight hours were you up after that win celebrating that win? Straight hours. I was awake the first three <laughs> days. I slept for six hours total. Nice. But then, like, we partied for a solid seven, and there was like, it was noon to four a.m. shifts. Like, you were you're putting in work. We dude. partied. Oh yeah, we partied. So was it was all the partying done in Calgary? 
Oh, 100 percent was in Calgary. You know, we took it to every. I think we went to ever on uh, Tuesday after the little rally parade. We uh, we had, it's called Stephen Ave. It's the walking street kind of in downtown Calgary. So there's you know it's probably about 25 bars and pubs on the road. We hit every single one after the rally about 12:30. We hit every single one from 12:30 to about 9:30 at night. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it was. You know, we call it, we called it the we call it the People's Cup, and you know, just to be able to take it around and give it to the people that you know love you and support you and share it with them. I don't know how many lips have touched that cup since I've seen, but kind of a gross amount, but whatever. But it it's great it, to share, and it's <laughs> that's it's awesome. awesome. It's so, great. so how how quick after like you get done in Edmonton, the game, the game was in Edmonton, you get done there, um, and you get back. How long was it until you guys got back to Calgary after that win? Uh, it's about a two. We had a bus because you know it's you know it's Calgary to Edmonton. There's mm-hmm. no flights, so I mean we you know our two and a half hour bus ride, and we were there I think at about noon on Monday. Per- okay, okay. And so what was that response when you guys did get home? Even before the rally, obviously during the rally it was great, but even before the rally, what was that response like when you guys brought that back to Calgary? Oh, it was awesome. You know, we pulled up and there was you know it was noon on a Monday, and there was probably uh, five six hundred people at our facility just waiting for us and you know it's just so cool to have the you know the support that that city has and just the you know the passion and the love for the game and just to be able to bring it home and you know because when you're in Edmonton you're in rival territory so to be able to bring it home and you know one destroy their locker room celebrating but then two (laughs) get to get to bring it home and you know show the fans and give the fans what they deserve it's pretty special that's awesome how many Edmonton fans do you think were in like attendance at that at the game was there a pretty strong contingent? Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, I think the capacity of that game was like fifty eight thousand. I bet I bet seven thousand at least were Edmonton Eskimo fans. Okay, so you loved winning in front of them too, then? Oh yeah, you know the best part is you know we you know when you're the home team you know the West team you're in the West team's locker room and the East team is in the away locker room. So we were in their locker room and to be able to <laughs> you know we partied for two straight hours in that locker room. So we. Uh, we definitely had a good time. That's perfect. And you can do it to the rival. That's even better. So next year, the Grey Cup uh, in Calgary, the 107th. Um, I already made the guarantee on the podcast like two weeks ago that Calgary is going to win it again back-to-back years. So <laughs> Got to. So, so yeah, so you know, Calgary hopefully gets to – Hopefully he gets to celebrate in front of the home fans the whole time and don't have to waste two hours of party time busting at home uh, after the win. And hopefully he can just get right after it right away. So. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm not sure, you know, where I'm going to be, but yeah. if I'm in the CFL, I'm going to be in Calgary, and whether or not, yeah, that that cup's definitely going to be staying home, and I I don't know what that's. I think the city will burn down because well, that's what we're hoping. we're pretty close to burning down uh, Edmonton as it was, and <laughs> it was just the team partying. So if we just wait, you know, another another year and it's in the hometown i think the city will burn that's awesome i i can't wait to see that um so you kind of you, you spoke on it a little bit but obviously um are you considered a free agent now after the season's over Was uh it? technically not till february 1st but okay. you could do nfl workouts it's kind of it's a weird little thing but yeah it's you're you're technically a free agent already okay and i know that uh it was reported earlier this week. Uh, you got to, so we're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, you got to work out with the Cleveland Browns on Monday. 
Um, so what was that like being back in a, in a NFL environment? And, you know, obviously after Montana state, um, you worked out for numerous teams, numerous flights, places. How was that kind of working out for the uh, NFL teams again? Did that bring back some memories from after college? Yeah. And you know, you know, when I got released from Seattle and New England, yeah, I did, I took a, I did a workout in Cleveland. It was kind of funny. I stayed in the same hotel, you know, did the same workout, the same guys running you through the drills and it's just, you know, it's all, you know, some stuff never changes, but it was nice to be back. It's nice to, you know, I went, I went to Calgary because I wanted to prove that I could play football, but I also wanted to play football. And so now I'm kind of on the trail of doing the same thing again. I'm going to, you know, go down and work out for these teams and prove that I can play football. And if someone's going to give me the opportunity to play down here, then, you know, I'll be in the NFL playing football. But if not, I'm going to, you know, be right back in Calgary getting ready to win another great cup. Awesome. So do you think, you know, just compared to what was three years ago, you're drafted in 16, um, that you're in a better place as a football player? Like just this, you know, kind of what to expect more when you go into these uh, workouts and just your skill level has improved that much? Yeah, and, you know, I'm just older, too. You know, when I came out the first time, I was just 21. Yeah. Just trying to do the workouts, just trying to, you know, almost survive, you know. Now, like I noticed yesterday, you know, being 25 now, when I go to a workout, you know, I know half the guys on a roster. So I walk in, you know, say what's up to my friends instead of walking in and not knowing a single person in a room and feeling, you know, nervous. And instead, you know, I walk in and I'm ready to go. Like, I'm, you know, excited to put on a show of who I am instead of just mm-hmm. nervous for it. Definitely makes sense. And so, so if you get the chance to play on Sundays, and that is your your ultimate dream, uh, you know, on the career career wise. Oh yeah, you know, I, I don't think any football player could say that it's not. You know, to be able to play to play on Sundays is you know what you play for. And you know, the sadly, as much as it is, you know, I think the CFL is a great game, but the money definitely talks in the NFL. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna play like that, you got to get paid too. So that that definitely makes sense there. So. Well, we'll look forward to to that off season, um, yeah, and seeing. So, but you said if if it's not NFL, you're going to be back in Calgary. Oh, 100 percent. I would never leave those people there. You know, they like I said. You know, I I love the city. You know, I think I think the city loves me. So, uh, you know, just you know, I love being there. You know, I still have an apartment there. So, yeah, I'm definitely not afraid of you know being in Calgary. Awesome. All right. Well, so. You know, we, we have to transition over to the second biggest uh, game of your season, which was Cat Grizz. Yeah, 100%. Back to <laughs> back to back. Back three straight. It was amazing. Um, what were your initial thoughts on that game? And have you ever seen a game end like that? I mean, I guess besides yeah. the Seahawks game against the Patriots a few years back in the Super Bowl. But uh, were you watching that up in Calgary? You know, so, okay, so it was the day before our West Finals. So... <laughs> So I was Priorities. watching. I was watching. I was watching. Okay, okay. And when uh, <laughs> you know they got up early, and I just said, ah, "Okay," and I took a nap. Yeah, I don't really blame I, you. I woke up to a thousand text messages saying they won, and I'm like, "Who the Grizz? Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. what are you guys all just gonna talk? You know, smack to me." But no, it was like, no, dude, the Cats won. You, you look it up, go on Twitter, go on Twitter. And I looked, and just like the coolest thing, you know, no better way to win than Tucker Yates running through and popping a ball out on the one-yard line in that stadium. Like, so cool and just so happy for those guys because that's an awesome way to go out. And, like, I, you know, Tucker was one of the, I think, you know, the last class that I know of guys playing there. So to see him do that was, it was pretty cool. I was pretty pumped for those guys. Yeah. I think I've watched that play like 3000 times, uh, on the root sports call and just 
seeing him seeing the Cats D line just absolutely blow up the Grizz offensive line. Uh, is that's a play I'll never never forget. So what was it like when you saw Dave for the first time after that win? Oh, uh, I just get this, you know, I get the shit eating grin on. <laughs> and for the third year in a row, as I walk into the office, you can just tell he's like, God damn it. And I give him my two X shirt that's gonna be way too big on him and I just throw it at him. And he's not very excited to wear it in meetings. Well he should be used to, I mean he should be used to it by now. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, he and he looks good in blue and gold. I think he does actually. That's a really good know, point. And if your best player of all time is has a bet to have to wear blue and gold and you just keep losing, I think it's like a sign that he wants to be a Bobcat. His dad was a Bobcat. He I, should have been, yes. Yeah, you know, he wants to be a Bobcat. You're right, because I did look at that picture. I was like, <laughs> you know, he probably looked better in that blue and gold than those old school, you know, copper you and know? yellow. He probably wouldn't agree yeah. with that, but. It's okay, you know, even his kids, you know, because he went down this year, you know, because he got to get inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, which yeah. is the coolest thing ever. And it's so cool to get t- coached by him. And as much as I talk smack, I think it is so cool what he has done and, uh, you know, it continues and will continue to do. But, yeah, his kids were wearing uh, the copper uh, sweatshirt when we went swimming, you know, the day before the Grey Cup and, and may or may not have thought about throwing it in the pool. But <laughs> but chose not to. They're lucky. I chose not <laughs> yeah, to. They're lucky. That's awesome. But I held it. I held it over the water. Perfect. So I mean, I'm assuming even at, so if you if you're going NFL next year and and not back on Calgary, I'm assuming this bet still continues though with Dave. Oh, it'll continue. Yeah, and then you know even at that point, you know, I'll have to reach out to Brock and Brock Coyle and get you know get some more guys on it because you know just Dave wearing it's one thing, but you know let's, I'm gonna start gathering some of these boys up and get them to start wearing it because they need to. People need to experience the blue and gold. I really feel like we're on the, the three games out of, you know, what was their streak, 16? I feel, you know, 18, 19 coming up. So, so we still I'm have yeah, we still have 15, 16 years to go. I'm excited for the next decade or two to, <laughs> you know, rock blue and gold. I agree. I see that. I mean, it's back home in Bozeman next year. I don't see the streak ending anytime soon. Uh, most Grizz fans will argue with that, but they also said that the Cats got lucky in that game. So um, what do they really know? Everyone is lucky when you win in the uh, – their stadium, isn't it? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, basically, they? yeah. I think they lost three games there this year, though. Yeah, well, that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're under new staff. You know, they're a good program. And you know, I never want to, you know, wish anything bad upon them because I, I love all the dudes that, you know, I know from there. So can't can't say too many bad things about them. But uh, all I want, you know, every about November, what, 13th, 18th, whatever day it is, I always want them to lose. All right, so... We, we talked a little bit about obviously off your off season, the Grey Cup, everything like that. Would you and would you still be working out for the NFL teams if you wouldn't have taken the Grey Cup home this year? Would you have wanted to return and get that Grey Cup before you tried to get to that next level? Nah, you know it. No, you know I, you got to take your chance when you're a free agent, but it would definitely be bittersweet. It, yeah, uh, it would suck to be leaving. I think. You know, not even that I want to leave. If it was um, different in different circumstances, I wouldn't even take the workouts. But, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And uh, But if, you know, the right situation doesn't happen for me in the NFL, because I'm not just going to come down here just to come down here. You know, it has to be a good situation for me. Mm-hmm. But if not, you know, I'll be back in Calgary and, you know, ready to go. And I'm definitely not going to overlook that because everything they've done for me and given to me and the opportunity they've given to me, you know, I'm never going to forget it or ever want to forget it. Cause it, you know, it's something really special. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you give the interviews on Twitter, everywhere you go, it seems like you love Calgary. They love you back. So, um, you know, me being selfish, I'd love for you to stay up there because if you don't, then we don't, our Stamps America podcast kind of goes down and we'd have to either become like the Browns or the, you know, whoever you're playing for podcast. There seems to be more competition in the American market um, for NFL podcasts. Um, but, you know, we, we, we can't wait to, uh, you know, see what you do and, um, we always appreciate your time coming on here and chopping it up with us, even when you have a thousand other things to, to look forward to. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys can always be Alex Singleton's number one podcast. And I think there it is. You know, the I'm more, taking that the sound followers, right there. The catchier it gets. So we're good. We'll, we'll be good. Awesome. We're taking that sound bite. And so yeah. <laughs> then we'll be able to say next year it'll be 106th Great Cup champion, two time CFL All Star, and current NFL linebacker Alex Singleton, um, his number one podcast. I like it. I'm, I'm all for it. Perfect. And then Pro Bowl, and then it's just going to go up from there, and it's just going to blow up. It's perfect. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> well, hey, man, we appreciate it. Good luck on the rest of uh, your workouts. Congratulations again on the Grey Cup, and we look forward to uh, to seeing what goes on in the off season. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, we'll definitely have to catch up soon. Definitely. All right. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. So thank you to Alex Singleton for that awesome interview. Always fun. Great. Uh, best of luck to him uh, as he looks forward to some NFL workouts and regardless of what happens, an amazing year uh, of watching the Calgary Stampeders. And that's our Stamps watch as well. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's our best Stamps watch of the year. I love the Stamps watch, but not nearly as much as you love Alex Singleton. That's probably true. And I'm not going to deny it. You keep trying to get me on this and I just keep admitting it. Yep. You love him. <laughs> All right, do you want to talk uh, some playoffs? Yeah. So playoffs we get. We're down to the final four. So we are down to the final four. One team that we everybody knew was going to be there, North Dakota State, number one seed, taking on the number five seed, South Dakota State. On the other side of the bracket, we have the number four seed, Eastern Washington, taking on the Cinderella of the tournament, number 12, Maine Black Bears. Uh, the Rory loves the Black Bears. Yeah. So Maine coming to Eastern Washington, and the Jackrabbits going to Fargo. All right. So you do not know the lines, correct? I do not know the lines. All right. And we've talked about both these teams uh, quite a bit this year, uh, obviously, because the Cats played both of them. South Dakota State visiting Fargo. What's the line? So I think the line in that game, uh, South Dakota State played them super tough uh, earlier this year. And I think that the, the line makers will take that into account. So despite all the 20-point lines that we've seen for North Dakota State, uh, in, in previous rounds, I will say that it is North Dakota State favored by 10. You're very close. It's North Dakota State giving up nine. So North Dakota Ooh, State single by nine digits. points. Single digits. And I'm a little bit surprised with, I mean, North Dakota State is it's so good. Like they just absolutely demolished Montana State and then came back the next week and shut out Colgate 35 to nothing, which made me feel a little bit better as a Montana State fan. Yeah. That uh, it wasn't just us, like everybody's just gonna get their ass kicked by North Dakota State. So I was a little bit surprised it was single digits. I am going to take the bison laying nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to take the, the bison laying nine points. Nine. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, by the way, we did go two and two last week, which ran our record to like four and four overall. So you're basically not gonna win anything by betting with us, and you're not gonna lose much by betting with us. Yeah. 
Yeah, you keep, so. you'll keep your money. Um, what would do we know what the over under in the game is? Uh, I do know the other under. Okay, we should bet on. We should guess on that too. All right, it's fifty one. I will, I will take the over, for sure. Yeah, so that is what twenty nine to twenty two ish. Yeah, thirty one twenty. I don't know. I yeah, can't right do around there. like that. Right, right around there. So I'm going to take the. What did you take? I took the over. Well, for the well, the total in their last last time they played South Dakota State, fifty five and a half was the total. Well, they and they did that was the over under. That's, that's, uh, it. that's and impossible. It ended up being thirty eight. 55 and a half points. Well, that's, yeah, the total, the over-under is 55 and a half. The actual score was by 38. So I think South Dakota State's defense can stop North Dakota State more than others, maybe. I'm going to take the under on that. Okay, good. I hate, taking unders is maybe one of those boring things in all of sports betting, but whatever. Yeah. Eh, whatever. All right, so next game is Eastern Washington hosting the Maine Black Bears. Again, number three EU and number 12 Maine. Uh, on the red field, it's going to be cold up in Cheney. What's your take on the Maine's like the only team we really haven't talked about uh, this year, though? Yeah, Would you, do you want to hear a little bit more about Maine? Well, I, I do, but let me just give my two cents of <laughs> I think that when like teams are getting better in the FCS and like rising through the ranks or having a good year, um, making a playoff run, I think it's more fun when that team is just like a state college where it's just like Maine. Or uh, like North Dakota State um, instead of Appalachian like State, Word. where you have to kind of Google to figure out where the hell they're from. Incarnate Word. I just like that it's Maine. Um, so that's all. I, I know nothing else about yeah. them. Well, I think that's all we need to know. I think that actually does it for uh, talking about Maine. Yeah. Um, I would guess the line in this game would be I think Eastern's a big favorite. Um, and I think it's probably like close to two touchdowns, so I'll say thirteen points. Again, pretty close. It's eleven and a half. Ooh, I'm- so Eastern Washington will be favored by eleven and a half at home on that red turf. And what what are you gonna you can pick first this time? I think that uh, I think Eastern's gonna blow them out of the water. So I think I'll I'll take Eastern. Okay, and I'm going to as well, so we're really not having too much fun going against each other on these bets, but I think it's because we're just so smart yep. uh, and understand this game so well. So the over-under on this one is 59. Ooh. Weber State, I'm sorry, Eastern Washington has not played in a game this year that has gone under 59. <laughs> um. Well, I'll let you. I'll let Sorry. you pick 57. first, and I'll take the other side of it. But um, I'm going to go over. The, I'm taking it. That's a that's a that's a fun stat. I think that Eastern Washington is going to absolutely crush these guys. Yeah, I mean they looked they looked uh, like a real. I mean they were down last week. They had to kind of uh, claw back to get the win, but. Um, they just looked so good last week. Both Eastern and UC Davis looked so good last week in that game. Um, and, you know, I'm just not super impressed with Maine. I watched the the Weber State game, and Maine really benefited from Weber, you know, making some awful mistakes. They Weber State just had 
like this series of awful turnovers, um, just really like poorly, like called timeouts. It was like everything they could do to uh, give the game away to Maine. Up. <laughs> um, yeah. They did it. So uh, I don't think that Maine is going to get those same breaks when they play Eastern next week. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, this weekend. So, yeah, we're both taking it there. Uh, So uh, that'll be a fun one. One thing I do want to point out, and I thought this was absolutely insane. So of the three of the final four teams, Montana State had five losses this year total. Uh Three of those five losses came to three of the final four teams in the FCS playoffs. Yeah. Had Weber State beat Maine, Montana State's four out of their five losses would have been to the entire final four. Yeah, no, it's pretty impressive. That's insane. <laughs> I swear to God, Montana State, until the playoffs, didn't play. I mean, even Incarnate Word wasn't like a middle-of-the-pack team. I would say like Idaho State, Montana, maybe Cal Poly to a little bit of an extent were kind of those middle-of-the-pack teams that you could kind of gauge your team's progress through the year and, and how they are. But, man, to lose almost all of your games two final four teams that's a pretty insane schedule for montana state this year yeah and they granted one of them was in the playoffs obviously with north dakota state and the, but the cats got the shit kicked out of them in every game but weber state oh, yeah. right was yep every game they got beat pretty handily except for weber yeah um and then their other loss was to idaho state which could have been a playoff which would have been a playoff team had montana state not snuck in and if they actually would play a schedule where they play uh enough fcs schools yeah yeah, that's on Idaho State. I don't feel bad for Yeah, that's on them. No, not at all. So that's the that's the playoff roundup. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in the playoffs? No, I mean it's fun to see the big sky doing so well in the playoffs. It would have been Definitely. it would have been cool to see Weber win, but three out of four would have been awesome yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool uh Pretty cool final three, final final three. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> it was going to be final three with Weber. In that. Pretty cool final four. Sometimes the big sky gets in and they kind of shit the bed when it gets to playoff time. But this year you can see that we are one of the top conferences for sure, and so it'll be it'll be fun to see uh, how this weekend shapes up. And, and all four of these teams, like check my box of you know exactly where they're from just based on the name of the college. So I'm happy about What's that. What's which one? The the most specific one being Eastern Washington. Yes. We can. I have no idea what side of Maine Maine is on. No, but you know, you know where Maine's at. You know where the Dakotas are. Generally, yes. Um, Generally, I know where Washington is, and so I can pinpoint more accurately where the university is just based on their name. Um, but no, I think it's cool when, yeah, when we I have agree this with you. instead of like cold. Yeah, we don't have any Furmans or Incarnate Words yeah. or Sam Houston States. Wooford. Nah. <laughs> Wooford. So yeah, that's awesome. Playoffs will be fun. So. I wish we could be in them still. Me too. Well, you didn't even make them, so. <laughs> um, what else do we got? All right, so we already did our stamps watch. Oh, we yeah. We knocked that out. So the only other watch we have left would be the Brock Osweiler watch. Yes. So our boy Brock Osweiler, still still Miami, um, his quarterback in front of him, Ryan Tannehill, played so poorly that the Dolphins had to uh, rely on a trick play at the end of the game to even win. Um, But Brock was on the bench for that. I'm sure that he uh, helped talk to Ryan Tannehill, get him, get him prepped up. A lot of morale boost. Get him prepped up for the, for the big 
miracle in Miami. Um, and I'm sure Brock enjoying himself a couple cocktails after the game to celebrate. Uh, but bottom line, if he was in there, Brock has a very strong record against uh, New England. And it's just too bad that they, they had to result on that trick play to win the game. You know, and I think the, the, the sad thing, and maybe the ironic thing for Brock is, if he's in the game, he has such a rocket that they actually throw a traditional Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. Instead of running a little, you know, trick play, a little cheat play. Yeah, noodle uh, arm Tannehill had to, he can only get the ball about 25 yards down 30, the Yeah, 25, 30 yards. The field, so hurting. that's what they had to rely on. Yeah, Brock would have, yep. you know, thrown. So Brock's arm actually hurt him because they only had that one play drawn up. They couldn't put Brock in uh, because Gronk was back there ready to knock the ball down. <laughs> so uh, our boy was too good for that last play. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Looks like the Dolphins have some momentum. If they went out, they can make the playoffs. Tannehill has made a paper, so we still have a chance to see playoff Brock. And we will. Yeah, which is what I'm rooting for. That's all we want. Let's give him the shot. All right. All right. Well, those are our two watches, and I think I think that takes us to the end of 2018 for the Montana Men's Sports Podcast. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to uh, take the next couple of weeks off with Christmas, um, and then we'll be back in early January to talk about the FCS championship game and how that goes, and we'll you know, be talking conference basketball a little bit. I think we'll probably move to... Uh, every other week's schedule just because there's not as much to talk about and neither hot take nate or i find kind of the recruiting uh part and the spring ball part of being a sports fan that that exciting so oh, we'll probably do this uh you know a little bit in the spring but it's been a great season uh thanks to all of you who have listened hot take nate thanks for being the driver of of this uh this pirate ship throughout the year it's been fun talking with you Definitely, and we couldn't thank uh, our listeners more for a great 2018. I think we got a lot better this year. We can only get better going forward. 2019 will be an awesome year, but we had a fun, fun time. We got one team in the playoffs. We had a lot to talk about. Even at the end here, we went a couple of extra weeks after the end of our seasons because there was just so much in the big sky to talk about. So we're grateful to be a part of such a great conference, uh, have a passion for teams and for the people that actually listened to us the whole year. We love you. Love you a lot. Very, yeah. very much. Very, very much. And uh, thanks for the support. And with that, a Merry Christmas to everybody, a Happy New Year to everybody, and 2019 will be here before you know it, so thank you again, and uh, that's all I got. Yeah, we'll talk to everyone in the new year. Oh, and thank you for being just a great co-host. Oh, yeah, thanks, dude. It's my pleasure. And your singing voice, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, (laughs) it's one for the ages. It is, and also, once again, thank you to Laney and the Bird Dogs for playing us in and playing us out. Ooh, and we'll the Finland news. and the Finland oh, and for the Finland, being our host, or, uh, sponsor our main this sponsor. Year. So awesome! With that, we will bid everybody a great rest of the 2018 year, and we will see you soon. See ya! Bye. Stand up and cheer, cheer on the land for dear Montana. For today we race the blue and gold to wave victorious. Our sturdy band now is fighting, and we are sure to win the fray. We've got the them, we're here to win, for this is your Montana State. Bup, 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 bup.